Hello and welcome to the latest Forever Blue podcast. My name is Ian Cheeseman. If you've never listened before, then welcome along. If you're a regular listener, then thanks for sticking with us and listening. It is, of course, a Manchester City podcast, so we will be talking almost all about Manchester City, uh, on, off the field, whatever comes up. Uh, but of course, if you're a football fan and you've stumbled on the podcast, you're welcome as well and hope you'll you'll find it interesting. Uh, as usual, we uh, we have a star guest with us today, former Manchester City goalkeeper Eric Nixon, but we also got two of our regulars, Amy and Toby. So thanks very much to all three of you for taking part. Before uh, we start talking in any depth, I just want to thank also Amar Development UK, who are the sponsors of the podcast. Um, if you live in the Manchester area and you've ever driven past that big pyramid just near Stockport. Uh, you may well be aware that Amar Development uh, own that and are developing it into a three-tier restaurant and function room and etc. And Amar Development are involved in that. That's one of the many things that they're involved in. So thanks very much to their support. And um, if you get a chance to go and have a look at it once it's re redeveloped, go and have a look at the new pyramid. I will, and I'm sure it'll be very interesting. Anyway, on to the subject in hand. Normally, when we're talking on this podcast, we're reflecting on City's latest victory. It's become, I won't say boring, but it's certainly become quite routine for us to talk about City victories. Since the last podcast, of course, things haven't gone quite as well. Two defeats in a row. Newcastle first and then defeat at Wolves. And we're recording this on Sunday, the day after the game against Wolverhampton Wanderers. So... Um, let's start with Eric um, as our special guest. But it's a simple question at this stage. You know, what's gone wrong and is it something that you worry about? I mean, I don't know how intensely you watch City these days, Eric, but how do you explain City losing two games in a row when they've been so perfect up till now? Yeah, watch Man City uh, when I can. My two boys watch Man City. We live on the world, but we support Man City. Um, can you put your finger on it? I think we'll forgive them for this. <clears throat> little blip won't be at this moment in time considering the good times they've given us but um, I do believe Rodri's got a lot to do with it I mean whatever you say he's you know a very very good player for us and I think he's been really unappreciated up till now to be honest with you and then when you look at his the player and his distribution around the park his commitment and work rate and those goals that he scores actually that sort of get his winners games that, that we're teetering on the edge of um I think he's been a, a a vital part of the system that's been missed over the, last, the cog that's been missed over the last two games. I can't disagree with that. I mean, obviously he's a fabulous player and he's been exemplary, but surely it can't just be down to one player. The fact that City have have lost these two games. No, but also you've got to look at you know. I mean, what we say about our team, we've got some great, fantastic players, and we're obviously a fantastic manager and supporters. But uh, it's just a blip. It's just something. It's not. It's not something that's gonna. I just, I think, is it Arsenal the next game away? I feel sorry for them because I think that we're going to come out the traps, aren't we? And we're going to start making people understand that it is just a blip and we, we're going for the win and we're going for the jugular and we're going for the premiership again. But no, I think, you know, people are starting to marshal uh, Haaland, sort of two, three players on him. Um, I want to see Kelvin Phillips come in and show a bit more authority, if you like. I want to see him getting on the ball. I want to see him uh, devastating passes. I want to see him, if I'm, if I'm honest with you, I want to see more work. I, I have this argument with my son all the time. I want to see more work rate from him. I want to see more passion, desire. Um, I've got nothing against the fella. I'm trying to stand up for him every five minutes of the day, but it just doesn't seem to give me that uh, as a Man City player. It just seems to be in a bit of a comfort zone, which you know I'm not too happy about, to be honest with you. None of us want to slate City players. Well, I particularly don't even want to slate any players because I don't believe they ever go out there to not play their best. But... I've got to say, you look at Calvin Phillips's record and his trajectory since he's joined from Leeds United, and he's he's not really done anything to impress. And when you when you look to I mean, my son pointed out when I watched Match of the Day last night, which for anybody listening in another country is our highlights program on a Saturday evening in England. Um, he said to me, "Just watch Calvin Phillips here in in the second goal that was scored, and he he just looked like." He was lost. He didn't know what to do. He didn't know who to pick up. And you, you think, it, I mean, it, it's obviously affecting him, the intense talk that's been about him and the sort of almost pressure that's been put on him because with Rodri out, 
you know, people were saying straight away, this is his opportunity to step in. He had the Newcastle game, he had the Wolves game, and he'll have the Arsenal game, presumably. You know, and, and you, so that intense pressure on is on him. Is he just never going to do it, Eric? Or, or do you think that there's still time for him to, to blossom, so to speak? We all wait for our opportunity in the game. I waited for my opportunity to make my first team debut, obviously coming from Curzon Ashton, non-league player. And I waited for my time and I prepared myself to be ready for that time. And I'd like to think that when that time came, I was ready to play in Man City's first team. And it just seems to me that um, it's a, a, a given. Um, and again, we're not, you know, we're not all having a go at Phillips because there's other players on the part. But I'm looking at him and I'm trying to understand his mentality. I'm trying to understand his physicality. I'm trying to understand what his thoughts are when he goes onto the park. And as you say, I look at him sometimes and he's sauntering down the pitch and I think there should be more devil in him as a midfield player. And I don't see that. And I don't see I can't comment on the passion. I don't know the fella. But for a Man City player, I want to see more devil around around the park. And I'm not seeing that. And I don't think the fans are seeing that, to be honest with you. I think City have a great leader in Ruben Diaz. I'm a big fan of Ruben Diaz. And he was, it, it, what struck me in the latter part of that game after Phillips had come on was that where Rodri would have been in that position, I don't know, 15 yards away from the opposition penalty area in the, the, the sort of the point, if you like, with the diamond either side of him, everything was going to him, i.e. Ruben Diaz, the big centre-back, the captain, where Rodri would normally have been, where then at that point was Calvin Phillips? Because that would have been surely his natural position to be located in that area, you know, and doing what Rodri did. He seems to be taking the uh, responsibility on the transition, doesn't he? You know, just it's just the sort of 20, 25 yards out, teams to be taking responsibility and looking for pinpoint passes. And if I'm honest here, the game seems to be bypassing Phillips, doesn't it? You know, we're, we're saying it as it is at this moment in time. It seems to be bypassing him and things are not coming through them, through him, with that killer pass or on the transition, getting ourselves forward in the opposition's box and making things work, making things tick, getting out to our wingers, getting wide, getting balls into the box. And then you've got to be on the edge of the 18 yard box for things when they do come out. It just doesn't seem to be in them positions when you're asking them to do that. Get forward and be part of what's going on. It's just nothing seems to be working for them at this moment in time. But you're convinced that the bigger picture is that having had a couple of slip-ups. City, of course, play Leipzig in the Champions League on Wednesday and then Arsenal is the next game before the next international break. You're convinced, because I, I thought the bounce-back would be at Wolves having slipped at Newcastle. You're convinced that come the rest of this week, this, if we, we're doing a podcast this time next week, we'll be reflecting on maybe two wins and, and thinking, what was all that fuss about when City lost against Newcastle and Wolves? You're convinced about that, are you? Yes, certainly, yeah. we got a good enough squad and we got an in-depth squad that can beat anybody on its day, as we know. You know, I mean, we've had some fantastic times, some fantastic games. Obviously, I was at the game last week at uh, Notts Forest and the only reason we didn't win by three or four was because Roger went off. And it just showed, it highlights his importance within the side, doesn't it? You know, the importance within his in-transition and when balls get played forward, he gets himself forward, he scores those important goals. But you want to see other players chipping in as well. You want to see other players, like, you know, obviously you've got... Uh, uh, Kovic, you got the other fella, Grealish. They want to start getting forward, balls forward and start chipping in as well. He can't put everything on Phillips, but this is his moment. This is his time to go and show people what he's all about. And he doesn't seem to be able to want, somebody wants to do it, but he doesn't seem to be able to fit in at this moment in time. But I feel as though it's just a blip. Yeah, it's not too much to worry about. Did you go through stages like that in your career, Eric, where people were looking at you and, you know, and, and you felt that pressure? Because it, it, it must be difficult to deal with. Yeah, you do. I think, you know, it's about understanding you are under pressure. It's about, you know, I mean, when you think about it, I was a local lad, used to watch the lads on the kickbacks with the Man City boys and next minute you're on the pitch and you're playing head tennis in the gym and you're playing, you're mixing with the likes of Mick McCarthy, Kenny Clements, you know, all these stalwarts that play for the club, Whitey, Redmond, Brightwell, all these players in my, in my day, you had to withstand the pressure and get out and do it. And that's what you've got to do. He's got to get out there shows what he's all about you know you can look at the other side of the water and you can say he keeps getting in the England squad doesn't he and he keeps getting in the Man City squad so he's got to start showing I'm sure he's getting paid enough for it um, and I don't begrudge him a penny or any player today a penny it's just that you've got to go and prove what you're worth and you've got to go and prove that you want to be in that side you're in that side on merit and at this moment in time with all due respect to him I don't believe he's in the side on merit he's in the side because somebody's injured Well let's bring in the other two to, to hear what they've got to say um, Amy you've been listening to to Eric there, and you obviously watched the games. Um, 
And I just, I just wonder what. Well, first of all, can you explain what the the two defeats? What what's caused that? Is it is it down to Rodri? Is it simple as that? I mean, we are, you know, we are missing key players. I mean, I think Harlan's missing Kevin. Um, you know, I I, I laughed a, a few weeks back uh, when they got the trophy after the um, Champions League. They all got like Player of the Month, whatever it was, Player Team of the Year. And Rodri made like a little comment of saying uh, we probably would have got more goals if Haaland would do his job properly. And I know it was a bit off the cuff, but it proper made me laugh because sometimes he doesn't do what he's he's there to do. And I, I think he misses, he miss, he's missing Kevin. Um, I think we're missing, a, you know, a lot of players. Bernardo, uh, Rodri, like you say, um, John Stones. I think these players are, you know, they're the backbone of our team. And yeah, you know, I've been reading on Twitter um, and it annoys me because like like you say, I don't like slagging players off. I don't. Um, you know, everyone was slagging Jack off at first. Now everybody loves him. Everyone's, every, there's always a scapegoat in our team. Uh, it was Mares. Uh, now he's gone. It's Calvin Phillips. And all right, yeah, he's not, he's not doing what he should be doing. Um, but is it because he's not given enough chances? Um, you know, he's not played enough. Um, he's just not aggressive enough. And I think, when, like Eric said, you need aggression in, in the position he plays. Um, I think he's just too nice, which is, I know, is a weird statement, but I think that's what it is. Um, but yeah, I think we are just missing a few key players that, that, build, that build us up. And like you say about Ruben, you know, he, he is that, team leader and you know unfortunately you know he, he scored an home goal yesterday but that's one of them things it you know home goals happen um but yeah I say we have it a lot in our team there's always one person that gets like scapegoated and and that moment in time it's either Sergio Gomez or it's Calvin Phillips and um it's a bit it's a bit awful really because you know we should be behind everybody we should be encouraging everybody and um, hopefully, you know, we will be able to get on it and, you know, help the team. I certainly don't want to make this podcast about Calvin Phillips. Um, so let me point this out as well. I know he started at Newcastle, but he didn't start at Wolves. Um, you know, so he came on a little bit later on when things weren't going as well as perhaps Pep would have wanted. So he wasn't really, you know, involved in that. So were there other issues in that Wolves defeat, do you think? Or was it just one of those days? Because I saw the statistics on match of the day. City had miles more possession as usual. They had more shots. That You know, all the all the stats were positive. And yet, watching the game as I was in the ground, it didn't feel like City were overwhelming with shots and possession. It felt a lot more even and maybe... Maybe the way that they calculate shots is, you know, too literal, you know, so you have a sort of pretty timid, you know, shot or something that's not really very threatening still goes down on a little piece of paper as a shot. And in my own mind, I thought that wasn't a shot, you know, that didn't really count. So it felt it felt a lot more even. But, what you know, you watched it on TV, presumably, Amy, you know, what what, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, like the Wolves game, I I listened to it on the City app, so I was listening to Alistair Mann, and you know we we at the moment we're in this is this has happened quite a lot of the times. Even though we've won, you know, games, we we're not taking the shots that we sh that we've got. We're taking them, and they like ending up in row Z, you know, or they they getting scuffed. Ireland seems to our players are just grounding him he's got like three men on him um and then no one's helping him out um you know it it's like it's like other teams have been told to like just go in for the kill so the the committing fouls and not even getting re like carded for it but we are because we've ended up getting like Rodri ended up getting a rush of blood to the head but he'd had enough of being like kicked and stuff and you know it's um this is what's going to happen, and I think, and I think, because referees are pulling yellow cards out for stupid things at the moment. You know, we were laughing the other day because I was saying, um, in a bit, there's going to be no football because the referees have given out twenty million yellow cards, and no one's, everyone's like banned for like three games. 
Um, but yeah, I think um, I think that's the problem is that you know teams are just being quite ruthless against us, and and, and um, we're not taking our opportunities properly. Toby, let's unleash you now. Um, you were at the game yesterday. I saw you and. I can't help thinking. I, I've just written a newspaper column that will be published next week, and and I, I I've come to the conclusion that aggression was the difference. You know, Newcastle came on at half time, brought on two first team players, and clearly went for it when there was a bit of hesitation about City. And Pep had said, "Don't want to take any risks at Newcastle," and I can't help thinking that. You know, if, if I was uh, the, the Newcastle manager, Eddie Howe, I'd have said to my players, look, they, they're, not, they're not up for this. You know, just go for it. And then Gary O'Neill at, uh, at Wolves has looked at that second half that Newcastle played and thought, you know, as uh, older people might uh, understand this reference, but, you know, in Dad's Army, Corporal Jones used to say, they don't like it up them. And I just wondered whether... He said to his players, this Manchester City team don't like it up. You get into the faces, you press them, you put them under pressure and they won't like it and they, we don't let them play the football. Is that what happened? Is it, is, it a, is that a worry at all that if City don't match for effort the opposition that they're vulnerable to these types of performances? Well, first of all, congratulations to Wolves because they played a great game. Like you say, they they came out, they showed the aggression and they they played us almost at our own game. Um, you know, every time every time that we won the ball back, I mean, the presence of Rodri does, of course, make a difference. And I'll come on to that in a minute. Um, but every time they got the ball back, they had one plan. Get it out, get it to Neto, get it to, to um, I can't remember the name of their, their centre forward now. Um, and get it to to Huang, and and that's what they did, and they and they executed the the plan perfectly. So you know you got to give credit to them, and you got to give credit to to O'Neill. Um, he's as you say, he's obviously watched that game in the week, and 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 taken a bit of um a bit of advice from it almost. Um, I think Newcastle working chronologically, what Newcastle that's that's a bit of an anomaly to the season. We weren't up for that, I don't think. I personally, you know, we were talking about it last week. Um, I personally think Pep would have looked at that and gone right. Well, we could end up playing a quarter final on the same on the same week on the same two days that we play a a club World Cup game. So um, you know, if we win, we win; if we lose, we lose. And you know, that's that's maybe he thought that, maybe he didn't. You don't know. Um, but look, that that result has been coming all season. We have been absolutely nowhere near it this season, in my opinion. We've won games and we've stuck through. Um, we haven't played amazing. I think the best we played personally is the first half an hour at Burnley. And then our problem started when Kevin De Bruyne walked off the field because our whole team runs around his creativity. And you can't... It's difficult because we aren't a one-man team and we have just won six games in a row, remember? I mean, I think um, there was a stat on match today. Man, the last time Man City won their first seven games of a league season was 1897, three years after the club was founded. So let's not get too hung up because it is one loss and we have had a great start to the season when we haven't played very well. Um, so I'm not gonna I, I'm not gonna rinse into the team too much because even though we haven't played well, we've got the results. It's a blip, it's an annoying result, and it's an irritating result because it is a banana skin. I you know, you'd expect the loss to have come at Arsenal. Um, if we were going to lose lose one of these games, um, but just coming onto onto the players missing a bit more, um, De Bruyne missing is is huge. Harlan's been nowhere near it, considering he scored eight goals. That's quite something to say. Um, but he, you know, yesterday he was, uh, what did he have? Like probably less than double figures of touches, which he does in games. We've seen him do that and score three goals, but. You know, he just, he was he wasn't there. Um, I, I can't even pinpoint a player that was any anywhere near good yesterday. But then Rodri, that's a huge loss in that midfield. I, I I don't know what it is, but he just looks. He makes that whole defensive unit and that whole midfield unit look so secure, so calm. We see his demeanor. We, we alluded to it last week. He looks. He he makes the team look so composed and so much calmer. And we looked a bit more panicked yesterday. And I feel like we've had Rodri in. Okay, like let's take let's look at West Ham. Went one 0 down to West Ham, and we won the game three one. And we were calm. We were composed, and we just got the result out of it. And we didn't do that yesterday. 
Um, so that was a huge that was a huge loss. Um, just coming on to what Amy said a little bit um, about how easy it is for a, a you know or how how players are always scapegoated in, in the team, and I, I do agree there is always a scapegoat. It has been Riyad Mahrez even before Pep. You know we've had the likes of Wilfred Bonny, um, but especially in the Pep era, we've had Mahrez, we've had now Phillips, Gomez. But I think it's so easy in a Manchester City team that's so high paced, so high performing to be scapegoated. Because if you're not 100 percent, if you're not playing at your very best, you will stick out like a sore thumb. And Calvin Phillips has done that. I don't want to I don't want to slate him too much. I don't want to rip into him because I, I do have some degree of sympathy for him because he hasn't got the game time and he has been outperformed by probably the best defensive midfielder in the world. But it is so easy. If you're not playing well in a Manchester City team, you will stick out because all the other players will play at that high point because they know the instant they don't, they're out of that team. And so that's the level we create. So, yes, there are scapegoats, but it's so easy to be a scapegoat in a Manchester City team. And I think if you're not willing to put yourself at that level, then... You, you can't be, you can't play for Manchester City, unfortunately. You can't, you know, look at look at Jack. Last season, awful. Not sorry, not last season. The season before, awful. When he first joined, just just was nowhere near it. Scapegoat, scapegoat, scapegoat. Last season, raised his game, worked his way into the team, and suddenly he's playing well. Raheem Sterling, another example, playing badly. Um, in Pep's first season, wasn't getting into the team. Started listening to Pep. It started ticking, and then he becomes one of the most important players of the team in the team. So I think that that comes to the whole scape, scapegoat point. I, I don't know whether you agree with that, Amy. Um, yeah, yeah. But, um, uh, but in terms of the result as well, I'll come back to that. I'm not too worried. It's one result. Um, we've lost one. You know, we've. I I was I was talking to my. I went to my the game with my uncle yesterday, and uh, I I was thinking when was the last time City lost two games on the spin, and it must be last year, and it must be early last year because I can't even remember it. Um, you know, we before Newcastle, we'd lost one in 37 games and, and that was at Brentford when the season was over um, and we won the title. So let's not get too hung up on it. Uh, it's it's one result. We've got Arsenal. We've got Leipzig in the week. Let's focus on those. Um, you know, we've got more important things to, to worry about now. Um, and yeah, um, just for, look, look further down the line. Hopefully we get a result at Arsenal next week. I don't want to be in any way sounding negative here, but you you know you mentioned that City haven't really fired uh, you know in the early season games and mm -hmm. maybe it was coming. But if you look at the fixes we played, Newcastle at home, you could argue was the toughest one we've played yep. so far. In the next seven, without going through all the fixtures, we've got to go to Old Trafford, Arsenal. Yep. We've got to play um, Liverpool, I think, in that next seven as well. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I don't know if Spurs are... A, Spurs a, are in it, yeah, at home, yeah. So, so those are... I mean, you know, we'll have all probably watched at least some of Tottenham against Liverpool yesterday. And whilst the controversy around VAR is something... <laughs> we can not talk about talk that. About, well, maybe we will in a minute or two. But in terms of the quality, the intensity of, of what I saw from Tottenham and Liverpool, I saw a Tottenham team which is a completely regenerated under their new manager and look far more genuinely threatening. But the cliche will be, ah, Tottenham always cave in, Arsenal cave in. I just wonder whether we're, you know, we're seeing a stronger title race this year and uh, and that, that, you know, that losing at Wolves is obviously not part of the plan. I mean, do you see a stronger title race this year, Eric? I mean, do you, do you seriously think that Tottenham are in it as well? Um, getting back to the Wolves game, uh, I watched it on Match of the Day last night. Um, and I'm just thinking, you know, based on you know, our, our midfield is our engine room. And that's where we produce, that's where we can produce players, that's where we get balls into the front, that's where we receive it from the back. I just looked at yesterday's game and I felt their game plan was get us onto the 18-yard box in the last third and hit us on the break on the transition. And we didn't have any answers. Now, getting back to the fact that you're making people a scapegoat, these are highly tuned athletes paid a lot of money to be ready for that game there and then. You've been brought into this club to go and do a job. You look at Kovacic, you look at Foden, you look at them all yesterday. They were all below par. They knew exactly what they were doing. The breakers on the attack, and once they got past us, they couldn't. We couldn't match them for pace. How many times did you see us chasing three, four yards behind them, and then you got that dying tackle, and they were getting at us? 
you've got to be ready. You've got to be on your toes to go and play for Man City Football Club in that game then, and then every game as it comes. And every game as it comes now, you Man United, you Tottenham, you Liverpools, believe it or not, they will be ready for Man City. And they've always been ready for Man City because we are a big fish now to go and get. And, and we everybody wants our hide now. So when we talk about scapegoats and we talk about the likes of Foden and Kovacic, and, I mean, even Nunes yesterday, you know, we went missing. He went played well last week. You've got to match these players. You've got to match them player for player. You've got to get on that pitch and say, you know what, you're my man. I'm going to stop you playing. We didn't do that yesterday. And I don't believe we did it last week. We did very well with 10 men second half. We've got to start getting after players. We've got to start putting those tackles in. We've got to start putting the shift in. And again, I'm not scapegoating anybody, but when you look at the likes of coverage, I mean, he went missing. How many times did he lose possession on, on the halfway line yesterday to cause us problems in our last third? The likes of Man United, yeah, they're gonna. Everybody's up their game to play Man City, and I think it will be an intense title fight. And and everybody wants that to be honest. With all due respect to the teams, we've won it now so many times. It's, I'm not saying it's getting boring, but at the end of the day, we do want a bit of competition. And we do want these Man United and Tottenham. And when you talk about Tottenham, they seem to be our bogey team at this moment in time. Whenever we play them, whenever we play them, you know, I mean, in the Champions League, when that, that day when we scored that goal, but he was early scored the goal, it was disallowed. I was at that game itself. We'd gone by then, me and the two boys. But yeah, it's going to be intense. It's going to be an intense fight. But I, I keep alluding to, you know, when we played, when I played for Man City, I made sure every single game I was ready to play and I knew exactly what was going to come my way. I knew the opposition, I knew which way you're going to set the penalties, I knew which way you're going to set the free kicks, I knew what the set pieces were going to be as a team. We all organised that. I'm not saying Man City don't do that right now, but I think sometimes they switch off easily and too easily for my liking. I know why Amy and and probably Toby to a certain extent used the word scapegoat, and and I and I can think back down my history of watching City over many many years that that players have been picked on, shall we say, and that's what you would think of as a scapegoat. But you, you know, Eric, that as a professional footballer, part of the deal is that lot, millions these days, but thousands of people are watching you intensely and will feel entitled to a view. So whilst a player, I mean, I can remember Richard Edgehill, for example, lovely, lovely fella, absolute dyed-in-the-wool blue. You cannot find a more passionate blue than Richard Edgehill. But there was a time he was playing when he was being picked on, scapegoated, whatever expression you want. But you know that. You knew that when you played, Eric, didn't you? That Especially this, as a goalkeeper. This is what I'm saying to you, and I knew that every five minutes. Of that. I'm a, I'm a local, I was from Willington. I'm just down the road from Main Road. I, I walked in on Friday afternoon, asked for a trial. Here I am, Man City. Come from Curzon Ashton to Man City. I walked in after the trial, and I've had a 22-year professional career just because I walked into Man City. That was me. That's what I'm all about. And I knew that every single game, every time I came down that tunnel, there was going to be somebody wanting to take my place. And wherever I played, whatever I did, I always made sure I'll let them know why I'm playing for Man City, why I've got the colours of Man City on here. I will let them know that. And that's what all the teams and other players should be doing when they put that blue one of Man City. They should be saying, "This is why I'm here, and this is why you're not here." And I don't feel as though I'm getting that at the club. In the without, with I'm not going to go in the likes. Of, I mean, even Kovacic yesterday. I mean, Phil Foden, he's magnificent. We know that what a player he is. Went went missing a little bit yesterday. So did the other fellow Nunes. It's a blip. I wouldn't even you know wouldn't even worry about it. But the best thing about it is it's a blip now, and it, when we can work on it and get it ready for the next four or five games when the chips are going to be down. I'm sure you're well aware of the fact that Joe Corrigan had a, a sort of dip in his form. Uh, you know, during his career and went ended up being one of the best goalkeepers I've ever seen play for the club. And he will argue, no doubt, if he was with us now, that what went wrong and, and the stick that he got, maybe being overweight at the time or whatever it was, that it drove him on. It, it made him actually more determined. So... This is the way we we as City fans have sort of got to look at what's happened in the last two matches and say, collectively, surely Pep and those players are going to be in a meeting, whether it's today, whether it's tomorrow, say, come on, you know, we're better than this, um, you know, and, and they've got to react quickly. And if it's Leipzig and, and Arsenal that get a bit of a tatering as a result of you know, these two slips, then you, you're all right and everybody's right in terms of City responding. The worst case scenario is that City now lose at Arsenal just before the international break. But even then, if even if that happens, people say, ah, oh, we're so many points behind Arsenal last year and it all worked out. So are we all, th all three of us, all four of us confident that, 
you know, that, that this is something that once KDB comes back, once Brun, um, Bernardo comes back, you know, once everybody's, John Stones is back, that everybody's fit again, although players do get injuries and suspensions, and Rodri comes back, that the City are going to be flying like they did. Are you all confident of that? Excuse me for interrupting, but as far as I'm concerned, it's a given that you put that blue shirt on at Man City and you will be ready and you should be ready. Now, I believe that whatever meeting you're going to have with the staff, with the club, they're all going to say get in here. If you are not personally ready to put that blue shirt on and go up there and give 90 minutes and die for the club, then it's not going to happen. You've got to be given. Being given. The fans love Man City, Man City love the fans. You know, it's just a case of getting out there and saying, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to prove to people that I can play the game. And Joe Corrigan did have a bad time and Joe Corrigan fought his way through it. I've had bad times in the game, but what I used to do was just get my head down and get on with it. And then things do come right and things do turn around with the right support. And if you can't get any better support than Man City. Well, you wouldn't have had social question. media when you were playing, would you? I bet that's horrendous now looking at social media when you're a you're a player and thinking, well, I bet you are. I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad there's no social media. But in our day, we had, I mean, again, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, in our day, we used to go and come down the come down the main tunnel, come into the, onto the main road. It was magnificent for us. A local lad coming into the main road playing at Man City. Under the guise of, I went to school with Alex Williams. Uh, Joe Corrigan was my mentor. Um, magnificent goalkeeper. I believe at the time that when Joe Corrigan and uh, Clements, Corrigan and Shilton were fine for the position. I, I believe Corrigan was the best and that's just not, not because he's my friend now. At the time, I was obviously on the kickbacks with everybody else watching the game before these guys were born. But uh, we had a fantastic time and he was playing out his skin and he deserved an opportunity that he never really got and he was playing magnificent for us. But you do, you've got to fight your way out of it. It's as simple as that. You two, uh, Toby and Amy, you're both confident that this is a blip? Yeah. Amy? Yeah. yeah, I think yeah, I think it's a blip. We've had we've had we've had this before. We have it every season. You can't win every game. Um, and I think that's the problem at the moment. I think City think fans just think that we you know, we've got to win every game, but we don't. No, that's that that's just football. No one ever wins any game. But going back to what Eric said about, you know, putting the shirt on and and you know, you should be proud for, you know, putting same when you put your, your international shirt on. You know, you should be proud of wearing that shirt. And it goes with any job. You know, if you're not performing, your manager's going to turn around to you and say, come on, what's going on? Like, you need to sort yourself out or else, you know, three strikes and you're out. And I think that should be the case with, with everything. You know, if you're not prepared, then, you you know, then out the door sort of thing. So, yeah, you know, it, it's right. If you're, you should be proud to put this shirt on, you know, like we're proud to put the shirts on. The players should be proud to put the shirts on too. That actually uh, leads me into the conversation that Toby didn't want us to have about VAR because there it was an admission. I know this is not City related, but it's still football. It's still something we all care about. And and personally, I'm not a big fan of Liverpool. So what happened to them yesterday, in a way, didn't bother me. But in the bigger picture, you know, there was the United Wolves game when Wolves had a a goal disallowed and they admitted that they got that wrong and the people who were operating VAR then had to be rested for a while. Yesterday, they came out and made, you know talked about the big clangor that had been made when Liverpool scored that goal. Uh, I hate VAR. I've never wanted it, don't want it. Uh, no problem with touchline technology, but to me, there's too much subjectivity in VAR. And now we've seen, and it will, it's open to suggestions that there's corruption and all sorts of stuff when it's such a glaring, obvious mistake that everybody could see instantly uh, is made, which, might, for all we know, might have cost Liverpool the title. Now, are we bothered as City fans? No, we're not. If City go on to win the title and Liverpool don't, that cost them, so what? Ha, ha, ha. But it's, it I'm could be... I, I live on the wheel, I'm not saying that. <laughs> yeah. but, but you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. The, the point is that could ha could have happened, could happen to City as well, and it's absolutely unacceptable. And I mean, you know, you you said three strikes and you're out. I'd argue that if if somebody has made such a glaring, obvious error, and they were named on match of the day, so I'm not going to name them again. But the two people who in that vi got it wrong, should they be? Is, is that? Should they lose the job? Should they be gone? 
because I, I really think they should. And I, I know okay. that's heartless and horrible because the professionals and the people and the human beings, and I get that, but that is unacceptable, surely. The problem, the problem with with uh, the problem with it is you've got such a big stage. You talk about social media now, you've got such a big stage, and if you start getting people out of their jobs, I understand what you're saying when people make a big mistake like that when it's such a howler in in normal everyday life you, you would see people lose their jobs for that um you, i don't like to see anyone lose their job that is i mean just talking about the mistake that is that yesterday i mean I, obviously i was in the i was in the car on the way home um and i was listening to it and and they were saying on, on the commentary i was listening to five live and the, the commentators were saying oh I, that's that's not right that's not right and you could see it and the instant i looked at when i got home i looked at I was watching the, the the end of the punditry and you look at it and they had it on TV, like literally right as I got home and, and I went, that's that's just, I, I just don't know how they've got it so wrong. What really gets me about it is the two things in, in, in football and in VAR, when VAR first came in, what we knew was going to be straight fact was goal line technology. That, that changed the sport. That was an amazing addition because that is fact, right? You see it when we played Liverpool a few years ago in that, absolutely amazing game when we beat them 2-1 and they had that 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 millimeter that millimeter that won us the title effectively um and and you know you talk about goal line technology that's the kind of thing that it's there for that's the one thing that is a fact and then the other thing that we would assume and we would presume to be a fact in football and not an opinion and not as is this a red card is this a penalty uh, and an opinion is an offside because you are either onside or you are not. And that's as simple as that. And you can have the lines that draw it a millimetre onside. You're onside or you're offside. And that's always been my opinion. Yes, if it's only a millimetre offside, then it's a little bit harsh. But that's, it swings and roundabouts. That can happen to all of you, to any team. I'll challenge but, that one. Just, be, just before you go any further, hold your thought. The, on. the one thing I'd say about offside, though, is that it, you know, when film is is filmed, you know, it's is it sixteen frames a second, and mm. the frame that you freeze the ball leaving the foot of the passer could yeah. be two frames later or two frames earlier, still within that second, and that could yeah. make the difference between offside and not. But in this particular instance, which is why why I'm bringing it up, this was so clear, so obvious that there will not be one person on the planet who would not have seen that instantly. And, it, you know, for them to bring out the statement, the Referees Association, and say, we got it completely wrong. And What know, does that do, though? Yeah. It doesn't change the game, does it? it do, they can't go back and go, oh, hang on a minute, we'll play them last few minutes again just to let you have the goal. It's like when it happened with us in the derby and with Rashford, oh. like, messing with the ball. And then they come out and go, Oh, well, yeah, we did Sorry. get that wrong. He shouldn't have been doing that. This is the problem with VAR. Like, why Why does it work at rugby? Why does it work at cricket? Yeah, it can't work at football. I just don't... That's what I don't get. It's like that player who scored for Wolves. He should have been sent off. Well, VAR can't do that. VAR can't get involved in that. That's the referee's decision. It was right in front of his face that... These VAR people are supposed to be old referees. They, you know, like who should know the game. The referees on the pitch don't even know that what they're doing either anymore. The line, the linesman should be the person who who says it's offside, it's offside or it's not offside, and it should go back to that. VAR should was supposed to be there to help, and it's not helping. It's hindering, and I think we're all in agreement with that. The sending off of the of the Liverpool play yesterday, when uh, this was brilliantly illustrated on Match of the Day, um, they asked the referee to go and look at, a, at the screen, and the picture that greeted him when he got there was yeah. a still picture of the of the foot in contact with the opponent. That it wasn't how it was shouldn't have been how it was judged because he hit. The, I'm not saying it was right or wrong, but what I'm saying is that that was almost a fait accompli picture. Uh, I just, I just feel as if, I mean, Eric, as a player who never had to deal with uh, with VAR, would you have welcomed VAR? No, I don't think it should have been introduced, and I'd get rid of it tomorrow. Thinking about it, it's something that uh, for me has ruined the game. I think it's ruined the enjoyment of the game. It's ruined. Uh, um, I, I would personally go back to the human error. I mean, 
human error as referees human error is linesmen you they make they make decisions they make right decisions wrong decisions and we all accepted that and we all went to the pub and we all accepted it and had the conflict about it and got on with the next game but i think now it's just gone beyond a joke i mean you look at that yesterday and how can how can they give that offside when he's clearly onside and he's, he's scored but then you look at the you look at the jota sending off i mean the first one <laughs> He doesn't even know he's done it. He's clipped his knee and he's booked him for that. And then the second one is a bookable, not sending off offence. So within the space of two, three minutes, he's been sent off because he should never have been booked. He should have been booked for that. Then he's got two, a red, two yards so he's got a red card. And, and, and there is a knock-on effect because people do get the sack because of things like this. Now, it might not be the referee, it might not be the manager, it might not be the players. You know, it, it, lower down you get, all of a sudden you get fines, you get all sorts of penal, penal, uh, penalisations. And stewards might get the sack, or members of the staff might get the sack, or people that don't do the job might get the sack. And it does filter down. But I believe they should go back to the human error. I believe they should be back and say, look, at the end of the day, it's about what the referee sees or what the referee doesn't see. And if they are going to have VAR, get, get players that have played the game in there. Get players that have actually been there on the pitch, seen the incidents and seen what's going on. And, and on, like, for instance, what I saw yesterday in regards to, he should have never been booked for the first one. He should have been booked for the second one. Is there no one there with any common sense saying to these people, hang on a bit, let's stop this right now, let's have a look at that. Is there no one with any common sense saying, let's have a look at that again before he kicks off? That was never offside, it was a goal. Simple as that. It just seems to me the common sense seems to have gone out of the game. Common sense, eh? There's an old-fashioned thing, isn't it? <laughs> well, it has, doesn't it? You know, I mean, that's that's what we're all about, common sense. You know, is it social? Is there no common sense on social media anymore? Is it a case of it's it's black or white, and that's the way the world works? Definitely not just go back on to, social media. Go back to the ref- <laughs> yeah, just go back to the referee and say, referee, was it onside? Was he offside? Linesman. I mean, what makes me laugh is now the rule is if you're offside, let them play on. So you're letting them play on when the ball's just crossed the halfway line. So they're playing on. So all of a sudden they're trying to score a goal. The defender's trying to stop it. The keeper's trying to stop it. The not the linesman knows he's going to stop it, whether it's a goal or not. So he pulls his armstring. He cracks him in the knee. You, you put, they could stop it at source there and then stop it at source because he's going to over extend himself to get onto the ball. He's going to extend himself to stop the tackle. He's going to extend himself to so they're in full flow and it's professional and the full flight and they're allowing it to happen when they should just stop it at source and everyone goes okay he's offside that's it. But they'll let him score a goal in the second phase or third phase and then they'll say well it's no goal <laughs> I can't get my breath. Then you yeah. wait for three minutes afterwards, four minutes afterwards, the game's gone dead. Everyone's gone for the meat pie. You wonder what's happening. I feel like in like there's good touch wood it doesn't happen, but I feel like one of these days is going to be a really really like bad injury, and it's going to be because of silly things like this. Like it's it's gonna it's it's gonna cause issues. Like like the referees seem to be losing their heads. It's like they can't control the game. Then there's a fight starts, and then red cards, yellow card. You know the the referees like run out of paper because he's had to write that many names down. Uh, I just think it's just at absolutely ridiculous but the problem isn't with the with the technology as such the problem is with the referees who are operating it like the, like that's like yesterday like look at the look at the technology that cut that coming for the offside for the offsides at the world cup and for the champions league that technology for offside is amazing and and the premier league turn that down at the start of the season and then something like this happens and you turn around and go, right, well, you've turned down the opportunity to have the technology that everyone knows is working. We've seen it work. We've seen it in practice at two separate competitions and you've turned it down. So and now this has happened. So there has to be some accountability for that. I don't like VAR. I don't like celebrating a goal. Then the, the review goes up and then you're not celebrating a goal. That's horrible. It's great when it works the other way. And it's like, it's, it's, you know, that's just swings and roundabouts for you. But it's, it, I don't think it's, I think it's not the technology that's the problem. It's the people that are operating it. Yeah. This is what I say to you. This is why they should have uh, somebody who's actually played, we all do, somebody who mm. played the game, not just refereed yeah. the game at highest level, actually played the game uh, at, at, at grassroots and, and, and professional and says, well, like I've said there, you know, clearly you look at that incident and situation and say, well, it was never, it was never uh, offside, and that was the first one was a send, uh, not a send, uh, bookable, and the second one was bookable. And then you've got people playing the game. It's, it's two t- two sets of eleven on each side actually enjoying the game and let the fans enjoy it. But again, I keep going back to this common sense. It's all gone. Yeah, you're dead right, Eric. Um, just before we we conclude the podcast by having a brief look ahead to what's to come, 
Um, you've got one of the great, one of my heroes, Eric Nixon here in, in our podcast. So Amy and Toby, have you got a question you, you'd like to ask a former City goalkeeper who wore the shirt that we would all love to wear as, as fans? Um, have you got any questions? If you, don't worry if you haven't, but uh, this is your opportunity to ask any question you would like. Go on, Toby. Yeah. You probably no, <laughs> thanks, thanks for the pressure. Um, well, no, this, no, no, that's that's no, no. I mean, I actually, to be fair, I'll ask a similar question to what I asked Nicky Weaver last week. Um, I mean, in terms of it, because I asked him, he obviously played in the 1999 um, playoff final. Um, and I asked him, what do you think that game how do you think that game affected the success we have today? I mean, how do you think, I mean, what's the comparison to, to today's to today's Man City team, to what you played in? And what do you think your success is and um, how you played and, and everything that you did at the time has contributed to the success of the team today? Money. <laughs> you know, I mean, when we played, with all due respect to the playing staff we have now and the squad, which are fantastic players, but with all due respect to the team and players that I had in my squad, uh, it's a totally different ball game. It's a totally different game in regards to money, social media, uh, an understanding of the game, the system of the game, management, qualifications, if you like. Um, we used to get, we used, before every game, We, I mean... And little things, silly little things like, you know, I mean, we used to finish our training on a Friday morning and the first thing we did was go up into the Blue Room and sign 100 shirts, 100 balls and sign everything that we could do for the community to do that. You know, um, and, and I don't see why I'm any special or my son's any special, but I tried to get uh, a Harlan's shirt because my son's 21 next week, so, and he's a Man City fan. You cannot get near the players. You cannot get near them. We used to love the fact that we used to be able to go mingle and get into the community. We used to go into the social club. We used to have our dinner in the social club where Roy Nobby Clark used to run it. Um, I'm sure Ian remembers that. We used to have the souvenir shop just next door to that. We used to be able to walk around the corner. You cannot get access. Now, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, you cannot get access to the players, not just because I'm an ex-player or an ex-pro. People like yourselves, the Man City fans themselves. Now, everybody can't have a piece of what they're trying to achieve. There's got to be some way around that in regards to getting to the players. The players getting. I mean, I watched. We've been to the um, Manchester. Me and the boys to watch them come home and put the trophy up and all that. In regards to playing wise, we used to come into the game. We used to go and have a game of head tennis, and that was our warm up. You know, in the gym underneath. If you remember that, Ian, underneath at Maynor, we used to go in the gym, have a game of head tennis, and we used to be in, in fear of having stitches before we even went out because if that ball went over the net, Picard's trying to edit, and I'm trying to edit. There's only going to be one winner. There's only McCarthy, so I had to put my elbows up there to make sure he didn't get me. And that was before the game. Now, whether you see that or not now, I don't know. Attitude, aptitude, um, the love. And again, I, I'm not dissing anybody, but the pride that we had in putting that, I specifically had putting that badge on my my shirt and, and actually playing for Man City. I played 84 games or whatever I played, but to play just the one game was enough for me. Um, you know, the fact that I've actually played on Main Road, I've actually played at Wembley a number of times, and then obviously I left Man City to come to Tranmere where I've been for 35 years. My family's been brought up here and what a fantastic club they are. Um, equally as Man City. Um, but it was just another world. It's another area. You cannot get near the players and understanding of what it's all about. We go and watch the game now. We were very fortunate last week to be guests of uh, Kevin Parker and uh, Gary Owen uh, into one of the lounges. Um, and just to see what actually happens on match days now is just an eye-opener. I mean, I'm sure you've seen it yourselves, guys, but, you know, it, it, it's a million miles away from where we used to go. Put your boots on. I remember an old Man City fella, old Man City centre-half called Dave Ewing. We used to train at Black Lane, and I said to him one day, you used to play, and he said, and he said somebody said, you got a blister. He said, I used to just put my socks, all my socks up, get out there and go and play. And that's all the attitude those old players ever used to have. Just put your socks up, get out and go and play and wear the badge of pride. And that's all you can ask for. And you do get that from the sisters. I'm not dissing the City players. I'm not dissing them in any way, shape or form. But see, there's a different attitude, attitude towards what they're actually doing on the pitch these days. And money does money does play a big part, whether it's hunger, whether it's desire, whether it's passion. Clearly, we didn't have the same money then as they're getting now. And I, and I, and I wouldn't be good to penny any one of them because we'd all take it. But sometimes you look at the desire and the passion and it's to be sometimes found wanting, I'd say. Do you not think that's just general growth in the game, though, not just Manchester City? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's just Man City. I think it's the game in general. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, I don't think it's just Man City. I think it's anywhere and everywhere you look at now. Um, you know, little things like 
you've just tackled someone, picking them up and giving them a kiss before they go back to the next tackle. You know, swapping shirts when you're four 0 down at half time. I remember, Stu- I remember Stuart Pearce and myself on the 18 yard box at Main Road. Uh, I think we kicked each other. He kicked me, I kicked him, and as he's getting up, he said, "Never mind, son." But he pinched the inside of my thigh. You know, like on your arm there, but he pinched yeah. the inside of my thigh. And but everyone thought, oh, isn't that nice, stupid Pierce? But he just left a welt on, like as big as you. So I tried to boot him, and I turned out, fell over because he'd gone by the time. Wouldn't see that today, though. That's for sure. <laughs> great, great passion. I love you, Eric. Uh, thanks very much for coming on the podcast. Really, uh, really appreciate it. Obviously, next up it's Leipzig, and then it's Arsenal. Um, what, what do you reckon then? Uh, are we looking at? Two wins here. We'll leave Eric to the end. But Amy, uh, you know you you're optimistic. I know Toby is too. So uh, win in Germany, win at Arsenal, going to the international break, and uh, City is skipping. Is that what you're expecting? Yeah, I'm expecting all all cylinders to be on fire. Like you know, let's get some of these players back in, and you know, let let's let's do this. Let's let's win. Let's that's all we want. We just want winning. Toby, you confident? Back to yeah, I think I think I think we'll uh, I think we'll beat Leipzig. We'll have Rodri. He'll play Rodri. I'd, I'd be very surprised if he's not in the team. Uh, I, yeah, I think we'll beat them. Um, but do you know what? I if if you if you'd offer if you offer me a draw at Arsenal next week, right now, I'll take that. Eric, two wins, two draws. What do you think? I I believe they've poked the bear, and they should never have done that. I think that's what they've done. I think these two these two defeats they poked the bed, and now they're going to see the, the worst side of Man City coming out of everybody because there's no 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 surrender. We're going to go and beat them all all season and not lose another game. Win the league, win the cup, and we get win that all sorts. That's what we're going to do. Love you, love your passion, Eric. It's been great <laughs> having you on the podcast. Uh, really appreciate your time, and obviously, I can get, I can get back to the Ryder Cup now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> me thanks too. Very much to Amy and Toby. Well. Thanks very much to Amar Development for sponsors. Thanks to you for listening. And if you only remember one one sentence even from this podcast, remember this: It's great to be a blue. <laughs>